Welcome. My name is Doug Rangadas, and I'm here with Veer Bajaram, Executive Director of the Bhakti Center, and we are in the middle of a prayer revolution to uh, create a revolution in our hearts. Um, the greatest offering we could offer to humanity is to clean up the junk in our own hearts and to live our lives in alignment with the higher truth. And so Veer Bajaram is going to lead us in a uh, morning prayer. And then we're going to, uh, Constantina said, my favorite time of the morning, mine too, Constantina, uh, mine too as well. So I'm very looking to hear from you, Vera Bhadra, and then uh, love conversation, because that's what we do. Sound All right. Good? Sound good, everybody? Sounds good. Sounds good, Baba. Super grateful. Grateful to be with you as always. Be with you in the mornings. Be with you in the day. Be with you in the night. You are my love. Grateful. I... Uh, I, I was looking through this this book that Rukmini gifted me today and been finding so many beautiful prayers in here, so much inspiration for prayer and also just opportunity to share prayer. And, and this is a, this is an unnamed uh, Jewish prayer. And, um, and it's, it's so beautiful. It reminds me of so many different um, conversations I've had or lectures I've heard or different references even to bhakti texts and it's just such a I love seeing all the the synthesis of all these different traditions and so I'm going to share that with you guys this morning and uh, beforehand let's get y'all just nice and comfortable wherever you're at find a comfortable seat and close your eyes and take a moment right now for yourself it's a moment for pause a moment for reconnection a moment for everything that's most important to you in your life that you're just pausing right now to reconnect. That connection is gonna fuel every positive action, every positive thought going forward from here. If you're not familiar with prayer, we are, we're speaking a universal language right now. It doesn't matter what faith, tradition, religion, background, no religion, doesn't matter. Whatever our beliefs are, whatever our social status is, wherever we are in the world, whatever situation we're going through mentally, emotionally, all of those things, none of those are barriers to this universal language. And right now, our individual heart, we are, we are speaking from our individual heart to reconnect to the universal heart, to our divine beloved, our higher power. And wherever you are, just taking those breaths and getting yourself into that space of receiving, receiving grace in your life receiving these prayers. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in love, even when feeling it not. I believe in God, even when he is silent. My Lord, please give us courage and strength today that even when we don't hear your voice, even when we don't feel your presence in those moments that we know you are still with us. When we don't feel the sun shining, that we know the sun is just behind the clouds. We have the courage, we have the strength, we have the faith, the belief that you're still with us always, even if we don't feel your presence. And help us to carry that faith into our every moment of this day, every moment of our life, knowing that everything in my life is happening for a reason. 
there's meaning behind even the smallest act. There's meaning and there's purpose that's taking me on a journey, taking me on a journey back into my heart, taking me on a journey back into that connection with you. Please give us the courage, even when it's dark, and we can't see you and we can't feel you, to stay with you, to stay with our prayer. For us to continue bringing that presence, showing up 100% to our relationship with you, knowing that the sun will shine again, knowing that your voice will become clear again, knowing that we will feel your presence. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So beautiful. Thank you so much for your Bajaram. It was very much reminding me of the conversation we were having yesterday about um, feeling. Um, you were talking about sheep yesterday and that uh, sometimes I feel lost and sometimes I feel found. Mm. Um, but even sometimes I may feel lost, but it doesn't mean that I am lost. Mm. It just means that maybe I don't exactly know where I am right now. And I don't mm. see um, somebody looking out for me, but it doesn't mean that there isn't somebody looking out for me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes feelings aren't always facts that I may feel unloved, but it doesn't mean that I'm not loved. You know, and so uh, um, when you were saying sometimes I, I believe in the sun, even though it's not shining, mm. you know, I believe in, in God, even though when he might be silent, mm -hmm. very, very beautiful prayer, very deep meditation, really. Um, and it kind of speaks to that, uh, that patience. We were talking a few days ago, I'm teaching my puppy how to wait, how to leave it, how to, how to be, be patient. And it's just kind of like, wait you know, that, that pause, as opposed to, if I don't feel something immediately right away, I'm, I'm, I'm switching the channel or change mm -hmm. channels. You know, mm -hmm. we're just changing channels constantly mm -hmm. in life without giving it a second to, to, to let the song, let the show play out a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so, uh, so we need that, we need that time and space. It was very beautiful. Yeah, Baba, thank you for your reflections. You are like the analogy machine. The, cha the, ch the, cha the changing of channels, it's, it's such a- Changing the channels constantly. Yeah. Stay so, with it. Right, yeah. And, and it's, yeah. it's somehow or other, it's like, you know, it's like so quick to like, you know, wow, yeah. okay, the, the, the sun, I know the sun is there. I know it, you know? Yes. The sun has always been there. The sun has always come out again. You know, there, there have been storms, there's been darkness, there have been long nights, but the sun has always shined. You know, yeah. it's always shown again. And, and so, you know, what you're talking about right now, just that analogy of, of the TV or the radio, you know, it's like tuning in and it's like, okay, we tune in and maybe it's silent for a moment or it's a commercial or it's a whatever it is. Or <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a difficult, you know, it's, it's a challenge. It's the song that we're not super connected to yeah. or a part, a part of a movie that's like yeah. boring and whatever it is, but it's like, to stay with it, you know, to actually to tune in and to stay with it. Yeah.
It's beautiful. How's, how's your prayer meditation with God going right now? I think it's on commercial. <laughs> <laughs> commercial break. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I was in, when I was, there was, there was a song in particular that I was thinking of that I, maybe I'll share a little bit later today. But um, I mean, I was just thinking of, um, like when I was in high school, I was, I don't know, I must have been 16, 17 years old. And uh, I was thinking this morning of like bands that I used to listen to, and I'm I um, I was and 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 to an extent still a big Coldplay fan. And I remember, and I was thinking that I, I I knew these bands when they first came out, like when they only had one or two albums. And then I became a monk when I was 18, and then most of their work and albums came out after the fact. And I remember after moving out of the monastery after 10 years, I was like, you know, it's kind of, sometimes coming out of a monastery and ashram, it's like it's like stepping out of a time capsule. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, uh, if you ever seen the movie Jumanji and like Robin Williams steps out and he's like, what year is it? You know, cause you've like mm-hmm. kind of shut yourself off from like modern culture and you don't recognize, you know, what has happened culturally in the last decade. So anyways, but I remember when this band Coldplay came out and they, they released their second album and I bought it and I was in my car driving home from work. I worked at, at a restaurant and I was so excited for this album to come out and I turned on the first track I turned on the first track, which was the song Politic. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember listening to it and I was like disappointed. I was like, mm-hmm. this, I'm not into this song so much. You know, it's not my vibe. Um, and, but I just was like listening and carrying out. And there was a certain point near the end of the song where it kind of makes this switch. And like, it turns into like this, like it just feels like the sky kind of opens up and they, they just kind of flip the switch and this very beautiful part of the song comes unexpectedly. And I was like, this is the greatest album in the world. You know what I mean? Like this whole thing open, like, opened up and then like the rest of the album, I just loved, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like, like we were saying, like I could have just changed the channel and given up on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, but sometimes like a song or a show, you kind of got to give it a little time to pick up Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as we're saying also, it's like that instant gratification world that sometimes in, in, in a relationship, even, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like speed, it's like speed dating. It's like, we're not, are we, are we just speed dating with Krishna? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're doing here? Or is this like, oh, if this, if this date doesn't pick up right away, I'm moving on. You know what I mean? Or so like, I was like, that's, that's why so many, I mean, you have a beautiful, beautiful podcast every Wednesday with, with Yana about relationships and about commitment and about staying with it that you know what i mean it's like so many relationships sometimes it's like when the romance fades or you know we're looking because because we're addicted to that new exciting feeling of relationship mm-hmm. that new exciting feeling of being in a new relationship being in a new um a situation and circumstance that once a relationship starts to grow a little stale um it's like i'm moving on you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's kind of becomes like fast food spirituality mm-hmm. you know where it's just like it's just like oh, yeah, i need something but it's like where's the real nourishment to like cooking mm-hmm. a meal and sitting down. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, you know, if, I, if I'm just speed dating through it, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to really get to that real sustenance. And so sometimes mm-hmm. I got to sit through the commercials and wait through, wait through it and really get to that, mm-hmm. that later part of the song, which really opens up a whole new world. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking that during your prayer, it was very, very um, thought provoking and beautiful. Yeah, it's, it, it takes being in a certain mind frame of, you know, that, that instant gratification we're talking about in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, the different modes. We were talking about this yesterday in our, we had a community group, Doyle and I lead every Monday night and get to participate in with our friends and, and, uh, <clears throat> and talking about, you know, okay, yeah, passion, right? Passion is this mm. energy. This energy that when we're under this, this passionate energy, when we're influenced by this passionate energy, it's like, now you know i need this now 
And if I don't get it now, and, and even when I get it, I'm like, okay, cool. I got that. Now I need the next thing now, you know, and yeah. it's just this perpetual needing to do something and needing to achieve something that never exhausts. It's this inexhaustible yeah. cycle of, of, of the, the prize is, is, is on the carrot stick. The prize mm. is in, down the road when I accomplish something. Yeah. And that same kind of mentality with, you know, if my senses aren't getting the gratification that they need right now, if I'm not getting it right now, it's like, I don't have time for that. You know, mm. like change the channel. Like my, you know, like I'm, I'm an important person, you know, I can't waste my time. I, I, I need, I need this now. I need this pleasure, yeah. this gratification now. Totally. And that, that, that mode of goodness that, you know, shifting from that passion into that, that, that uh, state of goodness, you know, that state of, of being is, bitter in the beginning so it's described in the bhagavad gita it's like taking medicine that's kind of bitter tasting in the beginning like when someone has jaundice i remember when i lived in india in ashrams as a kid when i was 12 years old i had the on i had the beginning symptoms of jaundice mm. i was having i was having a liver disease and and every day that they would they would test me by rubbing this uh this certain medicine on my arms and then they would wash it off with water and if it washed mm. off clear then it was, you know, um, then I didn't have jaundice, but if it washed off yellow, then I had, then it was like, okay, you, you have the mm. onset of this disease in your liver. And so it's washing off light yellow, like <laughs> uh, this light yellow. And, and, and the cure for jaundice is to take um, sugarcane juice mm. and to take uh, sugar candy, sugar cane juice, different things like that. But it's bitter when you take it. Mm. This, this, this sweet sugarcane juice, it's bitter when you first have it. And then over time of taking it, it cools the liver, it cures the liver, and then it becomes sweet again. And so mm. I feel like so, so much of what you're talking about is like that patience to be like, wow, okay, like I, there's a different pace of life that fulfillment starts to bubble up and starts to make itself readily available to me in the simple things in life. But if I'm in passion, I will miss that beautiful sunrise. Mm. And I'll, I'll miss the smile that my friend has. I'll miss that opportunity for a slow connection, right? It's like a slower dance. It's a slower unfolding that leads yeah. to like this, this beautiful epic kind of fulfillment and connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can be kind of, if we're used to passion and we're used to that type of energy, which, you know, New Yorkers were, or pretty much anyone in the world for that matter is conditioned to, then yeah. uh, we, we miss it. We miss the sweet, simple, you know, beautiful moments in life. Yeah. Where, where fulfillment is uh, readily available to us. Totally. Yeah, I, I was thinking that, that, that it's a beautiful example. It's, it's often given and it's here in this, in this book, the Upadeshamrita, the Nectar of Instruction, translated by Srila Prabhupada. Um, it's 11 verses about the progression of spiritual life from the very beginning stages all the way like the high, heightened, highest stages of, of, of spiritual love. Um, and right in the middle of the, that book, he gives this very verse. Um, where he says the holy name, character, pastimes, and activities of Krishna are all transcendentally sweet, like sugar candy. So it's like it's like this is the greatest song in the world. But when I'm listening to it, it's like oh, this is kind of boring. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean that like it's not sweet. It mm -hmm. is sweet. But although the tongue of one afflicted by the jaundice of ignorance of, of avidya, ignorance, cannot taste anything sweet. It is wonderful that simply by carefully chanting these sweet names every day, a natural relish awakens within their tongue and the disease is gradually destroyed at the root. Mm -hmm. So just like you're saying, like if I've got jaundice, which, you know, anything sweet tastes bitter, like 
sugar cane tastes bitter, but the but the 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 the, the medicine is sugar, which tastes bitter. But as you taste it, you the the, the sweetness. It's not that the the problem isn't with the sugar. The problem is with me. <laughs> and so Prabhupada says in his purport, he says the name of Lord Krishna, his quality, pastimes, and so forth are all of the nature of absolute truth, beauty, and bliss. Naturally, they are very sweet, like sugar candy, which appeals to everyone. Nescience, however, is compared to the disease called jaundice, which is called by bilious secretions. Attacked by jaundice, the tongue of a diseased person cannot palatably relish sugar candy. Rather, a person with jaundice considers something sweet to taste very bitter. Avidya, ignorance, similarly perverts the ability to relish the transcendentally palatable name, quality, form, and passions of Krishna. Despite this disease, if one with great care and attention takes to Krishna consciousness, chanting the holy name and hearing Krishna's transcendental pastimes, their ignorance will be destroyed and the tongue enabled to taste the sweetness of the transcendental nature of Krishna and his paraphernalia. And this last line is super potent, powerful. Such a recovery of spiritual health is possible only by the regular cultivation of Krishna consciousness. So it's, we're, we're, in, we're in the recovery, we're in, we're in a recovery of spiritual, we're trying to recover our spiritual health. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're recovering our spiritual health. We're all slaying in a bed with jaundice, spiritual ignorance. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's it, this word in the, in the verse, particularly this word, uh, this word kramad, kramena, which means gradually. And so it's, it's a gradual process. It's not, it's not a silver bullet. that is like, poof, you know, you blast it away. But it, it's a gradual process of continuing to take that 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 medicine, and uh, gradually we'll recover our spiritual health. So it's it's such a beautiful analogy and a beautiful example to give. Yeah. How, did you recover? How did it go? Did I, I did. Yes. I'm I'm I'm, I'm still uh, I still got yellow stuff coming out now. I'm just playing. Um, I I recovered. Yes, I recovered. Yeah. And it was it was such an intense part of my life. I remember I was 12 years old, and uh, and um, yeah, I was 12 years old. I was in India. My mom, she got shot and robbed. Oh my God. Like what? She, like by a gun? She got shot by a gun oh and God. and robbed and and basically. You know, so we were in India after my yeah. mom got shot and it was kind of like, I was going there to go to school. My mom was there to kind of like settle me in, my dad, my brother. But my mom was like, she needed to go back to America to get proper treatment. It was just this, this real yeah. kind, of, kind of wild time in my life. And, uh, and, and so there was a little jaundice part of it too. But really like what was happening is I was so homesick. I was like craving being home so much that I literally was becoming physically sick. Wow. I was feeling, I was missing, like, you know, like just that kind of like traumatic sort of thing. And like, like oh, did I get left here with my mom? Is she okay? Like, I just was like a kid and I couldn't, like that was not processing. I was like, I gotta go home. I gotta be home. I can't be here. And, uh, and it was like, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm sharing that right now, but, but just like that craving, like, it did not matter. Like all my friends, all my mm. closest friends were in that school. We, we were in a boarding school in, in Florida, that school closed. We went to a school in India. All my closest friends were there. It was beautiful. It was an amazing sort of experience. If, if just kind of like objectively, it was an amazing experience, but I was suffering inside. Right? Mm. And I was, I was suffering. You know, I wanted, I wanted to be home. I wanted to go back home. My parents were living in Texas at the time. Like that, that was the only thing that was going to satisfy me, you know? 
And I think that it's uh, now as I'm thinking about it, it just it sprung up. It was like I, that's that's where we all are right now. You know, it's mm. like there there is there's a nectar. We were talking about it last night. There's a nectar of spiritual life, of eternal life, of, of connection with our higher power. That's what we're seeking. And we get these little kind of temporary cessations of, you know, cessations of suffering and like little bit of gratification, little bit of happiness, little bit of joy here and there. And it's like, life becomes about that. Somehow or other, mm. life becomes about that. It's like, okay, if I'm not suffering, then I'm good. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm not suffering. Right? Mm. It's like, there's this, there's this nectar, there's this bliss, there's this joy, there's this experience that at, we, we, we're going to have that when we are home. We're going to have that mm. when spiritually we awaken and when we are, are back home with our beloved. And so I think that it's something that, you know, I, I could, it just kind of sprung up as we we're talking about it is that whatever is going on in our life right now, like whatever we're used to tuning into like a certain frequency or our mm. senses are used to getting certain tastes and seeing certain things with our eyes and hearing certain things with our ears. And, and, and our, we've forgotten actually, like, what's that food for our soul? Like, what's that nourishment for our soul? And because I've forgotten it for so long, when I start to taste it, it's like, I'm not that, okay, like this is okay. You know, and maybe I'll get those glimpses where it feels really nourishing, but it's sort of like, no, like this is kind of bitter. This is kind of boring. Like I'm used to like something quick. I'm used to like a certain stimulus immediately. And, um, and so we, we, we kind of bypass it, you know, we kind of yeah. push it to the side. We don't, we don't really take it. We don't really eat to our soul satisfaction. Mm. And so, you know, then, then we, we end up staying in that kind of bitter zone. It's like, I just yeah. take a little tiny little bit of medicine every now and then. Yeah. And it always remains bitter. Like it never gets to like that. It never, we never get to that nectar. We never get to that sweetness of it. So yeah. thinking, man, it's like, there's so much in what you just shared right now. You know, <laughs> it's like, it just, if, if you just want to get a little insight into Vera Budgers, like we're talking about Indiana Jones stories yesterday, like, Vera Budgers, if you want to get an insight into the Vera, Indiana Jones stories of Vera's life, he's able to tell this story and just breeze through the fact that his mom got shot in India and he just brings it up and then just moves on. Like it's a detail, you know? And which, which, which by the way, John does in India and, and having your mother get shot, uh, this would be a good time to plug that Vera Budger and I, we lead pilgrimages to India every fall in January. If you would like to partake in any of these experiences, please join us at buckethcenter.org and write to us. We will take you there. <laughs> no one has been shot since 1999. <laughs> so, but, um, but is your mom okay? What happened to her? Did she, where did she, where did she get shot and is she okay? She, I mean, she's okay. Is, uh, I know her today. This was 20 years ago, but. Yeah, she, she, she's, um, it was super intense for her. She had, her lung was filling up with blood. So she had to go back and get it drained out. And it was, it was, a, it was a, a homemade gun that was a buckshot. So like shot out like metal shrapnel. It was this nasty sort of real, real nasty sort of thing. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, she's, she had to, for years, she had to carry an x-ray and a, a written note from a doctor um, because she would go off in the, when she'd go through the metal detectors, she'd wow. go off because she had metal in her body. Like there's, there were certain places that they couldn't take the, the metal out because it was too close to nerves, was too close to certain arteries or too close to organs. Yeah. And they didn't want to, um, you know, they didn't want to injure her further. And so, so yeah, yeah. she's a, my mom is a warrior, man. She is like, she is, she like, she, she wears her heart on her sleeve. She's given her life to service. She's like, I remember as a kid, like, we'd be driving into the ghettos in South Dallas, like hardcore, like gang, you know, 
filled, you know, violence filled, crime filled ghettos doing food for life. It was, it was, it was a, my mom ran food for life in, in Dallas for like 15 years and, and she, um, which is, a, which is a food distribution program. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, and this portion of it, she was doing, she's running, it's called meals on wheels. And so people that, you know, they were elderly or they were somehow compromised. They couldn't leave their homes. And so we go into the ghettos and we would, we were, we wouldn't go to kitchens or soup places. We would literally drive to people's drive into the projects and we would go deliver meals to people, go knock on their door, go sit mm. with them. And I remember as a kid, I remember like, I, I remember feeling so scared so, so often in those places. Cause it's like, mm. you know, I'm like, I'm just a little white boy, like in the middle of like an all black or all Hispanic neighborhood, you know? And like, just like feeling that, that, that's that fear, feeling that, you know, the nervousness and the tension of it. And um, my mom just like fearless, you know, like, and we, we, you know, we never got, never had any issues. Um, um, but yeah, anyway, there's, there's so many stories like that. My, mama's a warrior. She's a warrior for sure. Your, 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 your mama is distributing food in the, the ghettos of South Dallas for years. And it took her to go all the way to another country to get shot. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Vivi said, jaundice and gunshots, where do I sign up? <laughs> but it's, 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 all, it's also, um, it's beautiful. You said your mom's a warrior. And then, totally, uh, yeah. and then, um, and then Mogaji was mentioned on the chat board that, um, you know, look at her son, Vera. For those who don't know, Vera means warrior. Vera, Vera means warrior. That's his name. His name is Vera. Vera Budger means warrior. And so you're, you're a warrior, spiritual warrior on the battlefield and, and a physical warrior also. I got one more story. You guys want to hear one more story? Oh man, we're soaking up these stories. Everyone's like, this is the best yet. You're just soaking up these stories. So, okay. So my, this is before I was born. My mom was living in Houston. Yeah. Wait, think before living. you tell the story. This is a good story to tell the public audience. Good story, good story to tell. Okay, yeah. Good, okay, she's, living in, she's living in Houston and she was, she was breastfeeding my, my, my brother in her car and uh, she just, you know, just married and. And uh, in Houston, it was also a little bit of a rough neighborhood. And somebody came up to the car and um, while she was breastfeeding and with a big old crocodile Dundee knife, shoved it in the window and was trying to open the door and, and trying, to, trying to jack her, you know? While my mom's breastfeeding my brother, she reaches into her diaper purse and pulls out a 38 special and taps it on the window right at the guy's head. <laughs> like a 30 special is like a gun she, she, she had a she had a gun yeah and, and so <laughs> but she <laughs> you know it's just it's oh crazy it's crazy stories and it's crazy contrasts of like growing up with like this spiritual culture right growing up like in ashrams growing up in spiritual community in the ghetto in the I ghetto. I don't know if I should be laughing right now or not. But I hope everyone doesn't mind. I just, uh, you know, 20 years in height, 30 years in height, that makes me laugh. It's like, a guy takes a crocodile dunny knife, shoves it down there. Your mother has her baby in her bosom, breastfeeding. Yeah. And she's like, one second, reaches into the diaper bag, pulls out a 38 special and be like, you got some? are you looking for something? Hare <laughs> Krishna. So we, we grew up with that, that, so that he, sort of he, The guy just left? The guy, uh, yeah, he took the clue and, and he, uh, he, he moseyed on his way for sure. Yeah. He took off. Your mom had a reputation on the street. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, it's, it's interesting. I guess, you know, that it's, it's a story and it's also like, when I look at my life, like we grew up and we grew up in, in, <laughs> Somebody in the ghetto. This, this brings new definition to the term of him some milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's epic. That's epic. Yeah, that's epic. Yeah. Oh my god. 
you know but but it's like it's like okay you know we grew we grew up in this in this this ghetto culture and this spiritual culture they like the temple was nested in the middle of the ghetto in dallas is nested in the middle of the ghetto in, in houston and what we saw over time what we saw is that and in dallas now i mean i remember when i was a kid it was just gangs walking up and down the streets and there's tons of violence and it was this and it's real intense sort of energy and as time went on you know, the whole East Dallas is just, it's been transformed. And so many people came in and bought property and all the, the uh, devotees in the community made that, you know, um, they took all their properties and they, they built gardens and they rebuilt their homes and they renovated their places. And so it's, it's a, you know, I, I'm, I'm not just trying to like, you know, I'm like thinking of like, what's the spiritual lesson in it? But like, <laughs> I, 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 I really, I, I really reflect on my life and see that it's like in that, harsh environment you know that because krishna was in the center it just transformed you know and it's like the people softened in the neighborhood like the drug like the drug use goes down and like people's hearts change and people want to serve and people start to become good neighbors to each other mm. that's the effect that god has in our life no matter what circumstance we're in whether we're in the mud and the ghetto and whatever's going on that that's that's what, and that's what i've experienced in my life like i feel like this intense like the, the, like the intensity of growing up in that environment, but inside of my heart, it's like, it's soft. Like I can't hurt somebody. I, I feel that intensity. Like I feel like the, the intensity of pain and suffering and, and violence and what all those types of things, you know, and like fending for myself, like fighting and all of those things. But inside of my heart, it's like, you know, with a mom, with, with, with my mom and with the people that I grew up with in the community, it's like, it's like, man, you know, like, I, I don't feel like I can hurt somebody, you know, like it's it literally, I feel like I'm like sticking a knife in myself to do that, you know? Mm. And so it's, it's um, just reflecting on like, no matter what environment we're in, no matter mm. what situation we're in, God being in the center of it, it transforms our life. It transforms our heart. And, and actually even I recognize it going through my life that all like the way I grew up, it's allowed for me to be able to connect with people. It's allowed for me to be able to be empathic. It's allowed for me to be with other people and their mm. suffering and, and um, so, yeah, just um, telling some stories and also just reflecting on, mm. on, 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 the, on my, gra I feel so grateful for East Dallas. I feel so grateful for mm. that intense, you know, environment and the, and the closeness that it created also with family and with community and, um, and yeah. actually, actually where shelter is, you know, shelter is in, in my connection with a higher power and so on. Yeah, so so beautiful on on that point. Just because you wrote that where where my shelter is, I'm gonna read out these um these. Well, first, just Trisha Trisha from Pennsylvania wrote in the chat board. Your mom's a badass. I love it. I, th I think there's a lot of sentiments going out there. Feeling that right now, and so uh, mom, power. mom power. But just on on that note, we we could maybe we could maybe end here. I, I was reading this purport more of that verse from the Nectar of Instruction where you mentioned about jaundice, and um, you're talking about shelter, you know, shelter. And I'll read these first sentences, and maybe that can 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 bring it back together for us. He says, "When a person in the material world takes more interest in the materialistic way of life than in Krishna consciousness, so I'm more interested in materialistic pursuits and spiritual pursuits, that person is considered to be in a diseased condition." The normal condition is to remain an eternal servant of the Lord. This healthy condition is lost when the living entity forgets Krishna due to being attracted by the external features of Krishna's Maya energy. The world of Maya is called Durashraya, which means false or bad shelter. Mm. 
One who puts his, their faith in Durashraya becomes a candidate for hoping against hope. Mm. In the material world, everyone is trying to become happy. And although the material attempts are baffled in every way, due to their nations, they cannot understand their mistakes. People try to rectify one mistake by making another bad mistake. Mm. This is the way of the struggle for existence in the material world. If one in, in such condition is advised to take to Krishna consciousness to be happy, happy they do not accept such instructions. So this idea of Durashraya, this false, or just a bad shelter, mm. you know, this bad shelter, and I'm hoping against hope, thinking that, you know, I'm just going to keep changing these channels and find what I'm looking for. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're looking in the wrong place. I'm taking shelter. Like the, 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 the search for shelter is valid. Mm. Every single one of us is searching for a shelter because we're lonely or we're, 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 we're feeling an emptiness. Or we're feeling just a yearning for something more. So we're seeking that shelter, that protection from arterial angst. That, 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 that search for shelter is very valid. But where am I seeking that shelter? That's the, that's the distinguishing factor between um, materialistic and spiritual consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so it's just simply, hey, we're, we're trying to learn where to take shelter in appropriate places that serve us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some place that seems like an immediate shelter falls apart a little later. So we have to be careful mm -hmm. that sometimes what doesn't seem like the right shelter ends up being a, a permanent place of shelter. So. Um, Love it. So just, so just that's, that's what we'll say. Maybe we'll pick up there tomorrow. Roy, I wrote shelter. How can we practice moving back to ourselves to taste, experience, and connect to the divine? Great point. Great question. We're a few minutes over. We love you guys. I feel like I can, we could, we should just turn this into from the prayer revolution to the stories from Vera's past. <laughs> yeah. Story, you know, you know, real life stories from East Dallas. <laughs> Bhakti in the ghetto. <laughs> Bhakti in the ghetto, man. That's how we got to be. They become becoming spiritual warrior, Vera. Super grateful. Thank you for letting me share, and thank you for bringing us back, DG. And and uh, yeah, where are we finding that shelter? That's something that we could let's pick up. You know, we we talk about picking it up tomorrow. I think it's such a beautiful point that Roy is bringing up right now. And um, yes, yes, let's uh, let's tap into that tomorrow. Let's let's make that a basis for our conversation. Total yes, and. Uh, for those of you that are interested in some of these experiences, we actually do take annual trips to India. Um, Vera Budger and I, we had a chance to lead last January. Uh, we went together, but he normally leads that trip every year with his beautiful wife, Diana. And so they're going to India in January, um, leading a trip. Signups are available. I know the world is in a very unstable, uncertain place, but India is still happening as of next year. And, and, and I'll be leading with my good friend, Kishore Chandra in the fall also going to india so if you would like to come to india with us um we promise it's a lot safer than we made it sound um but you do have uh, to sign a liability waiver though that uh, releases any, all anywhere you go um but you know it's 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 no it's 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 no, no more dangerous than anywhere else in the world um and so we'd love to have you with us if you if you want to join um check it out on buckdecenter.org and, uh, and if you want to know other online offerings, we got bhaktisena.org slash online. Check us out. We have other online offerings. You can stay connected with us. We love you guys. Signing out, signing off. Have a wonderful day, wonderful evening, wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, and we'll see you again soon. Love you, bro. Take care, guys. Yeah. Have a beautiful you day. You too. You too.